With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. Breaking news, LeBron is a Laker. Here comes this Clippers team will win a championship this year. Paul George, corner three. Yes! Bryant has to put it up with the buzzer. Banks it in! <laughs> he banks in the three! And the Lakers win the game! What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Battle for LA podcast, part of the Clutch Points and Blue Wire Networks. As usual, Tomara Zarley, Clippers beat writer. Uh, we got Ryan Ward over in Colorado, as usual, our Lakers beat writer. What's up, Ryan? What up? We've got a special guest for you guys again, another week. Uh, Lakers assistant coach Mike Penberthy is joining us. Uh, Mike, thank you for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So so just, just to start off, how's everything with you and your family considering the coronavirus pandemic? We know things are opening back up here in L.A. and, you know, NBA is picking it back up. How are you and your family doing? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Uh, our, my family's doing great. We're healthy, uh, thankfully. And, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of time to spend with them, and I'm trying to spend as much time uh, with them before we head off to Orlando as possible. So it's been going great, and everybody's healthy. Thank you. So what has some of the uh, preparation been like for you on your end? I mean, obviously, we know that uh, – well, there's a lot of unknowns, but we, we know that, obviously, I think you guys are going on July 8th or 9th, I believe is the day. Um, and then, you know, we have the bubble. How's your preparation going right now? Well, there isn't much to do. Um, you know, we're preparation wise, we're just taking a lot of COVID tests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really? I mean, we've, we've done, we've done as much video as you could possibly do. I mean, we watched games all season long. We played every, every team in the league. So watching more video isn't going to reveal anything new. I mean, we are who we are and, and uh, we were in the process of really starting to, to click with, with what our game plans were. And so, 
you know, we don't have a lot to do other than just maintain our health. And, and that's really the goal is just guys to keep, keep their health going before we, we get there to Orlando and then staying healthy throughout the entire time. Is that a, a strange part of this process, considering that you've had so much time to prepare for the guys that you're, you're going to inevitably run into, like, you know, the Clippers, the, you know, the Rockets, the Nuggets. I mean, you've had, what, what three months now? Yeah, I mean, we're not – look, I mean, no, nothing you can do at this point. There's, there's not going to be anything new in the NBA. You know, they're not going to – we're not going to do anything different. They're not going to do anything different because it's, it's crunch time now. Early in the season, teams might have tried to do something different. But at this point, there's so much video out there, and the reality is we want to have it fresh. So, uh, you know, we're taking a break from just – staring down and cutting clips and breaking breaking the games down. We're, we're taking a break from that now because we want to have some freshness uh, in our decision-making and in our discussion uh, as, a, as it is going forward. How much can you take away from the 60 to 64 games you guys played before the hiatus? You guys were, were pretty solid from start to finish. Uh, you guys had that good run at the end against the Bucks and Clippers. But how much can you take away, um, you know, leading into this eight-game seeding schedule and then the playoffs? Well, we we can take away a lot of confidence. Um, we had we we had been playing well um, leading up to the break. Um, I think we had solidified our roles in the team. We put uh, put ourselves in a good position to make a run. I think our team is a veteran team, so I think picking back up where we left off will be a lot easier for us, and our guys will fall back into those roles. So, um, I think I think what we can take away is that you know we've got the best record in the Western Conference and and we had been, you know, really playing well leading up to the break. I was on a Zoom call with um, Alex Crusoe earlier today and uh, he was saying he thinks the biggest challenge is going to be to just physically getting up to speed, right? Um, which you guys probably won't be able to do until you get to actually get to Orlando. Yeah, I mean, look, we got three weeks, you know, in Orlando. So, mm-hmm. If an NBA player can't get in shape in three weeks, then he shouldn't be in the NBA. Um, you know, I mean, and I, and and we're doing stuff now. You know, leading up to those, uh, you know, basically we have a month to get into shape, and that's plenty of time to get into shape and get going. Now, finding rhythm, finding timing, things like that—that's part of what those eight games are for. But again, we have a veteran team. We're not changing anything, and and being able to jump back into what we're doing. Uh, it's more of an annoyance than an, mm-hmm. a frustration, you know, because you you were clicking at the time and in great shape, and now you're trying to get yourself back into those same same feels uh, within the team. But again, we have a veteran team, and I think teams that have veteran players and uh, are constructed with veterans in their primary roles will find it easier to to find that rhythm again. So you guys are more of a, at an advantage that way, right? Rather than having with a, a bunch of key rookies, right, that maybe not used to the grind or used to getting in shape fast or, or staying in shape, being ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rookies don't have any playoff experience. So right. the NBA playoffs is a different ball game, and we have a lot of guys that have had playoff experience. So, um, you know, I think that is an advantage for those teams that have those guys because uh, they know that there's another level to reach when you hit the NBA playoffs that you have to hit, get to. And 
uh, I think those teams, including ours, uh, that have had that, that experience, especially, especially deep in the playoffs, will have the best advantage. What did some of your, um, you know, the team's workouts look like? Because I know on the Clippers side, they send some workout equipment. They had Zoom calls. Did the Lakers do anything like that to keep players in shape and keep them, you know, keep the chemistry going as well? Well, there's always, I mean, look, this is a completely new animal. So I think every team kind of had their own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there were guys that did most of their work on their own. Uh, we, had con we had conversations with our players on a regular basis. Um, so, but you can't work out together. So we couldn't, as an organization, organize anything, uh, you know, according to the rules. So we, we just had to let guys kind of, Go, go on their own. And, and yeah, we had uh, Zoom calls with our weight guys. Our trainers were involved. Uh, I was on a number of Zoom calls with players, just helping them, you know, shape some of the ideas that they wanted for their workouts. Mm -hmm. And the other side of that, too, is within the NBA bubble, you know, the workouts could only be 45 minutes long. If they were to do their own workouts at their own facilities and their own places, they could go as long as they wanted to. So there's an advantage, I think, to not being in the, in the NBA facility because you're limited to your amount of time. So I think I know a number of players around the league and, and a number of our guys just took advantage of, of working out at their own places. And that allowed for them to, uh, to I think, maintain a better shape than, than if they were just to do 45 minutes a day or 45 minutes, three days a week. I think one of the biggest things, um, you know, in terms of, of shooting, we've seen players who are, you know, great knockdown shooters, but sometimes it takes them a while to get into rhythm during the length of a season. How do you think, you know, some of those rhythm shooters will transition to this eight-game season in the playoffs where you have, sort of have to get in a rhythm right away? Well, that's a good question. I mean, um, it, it remains to be seen. This has never been done before. So jumping in and playing right away and trying to catch fire, uh, it's a difficult thing. I had to do it a couple of times when I played in Europe. You know, you, you'd sign with a team late in the season for a playoff run, and then you're thrust into one practice, and then you got a game in the playoffs that you can't lose. So uh -huh. Um, that happens. You just have to be yourself and be aggressive. I think the more aggressive players are, especially shooters, where they're not thinking about their shot. They're just thinking about finding, uh, you know, finding rhythm in their feet and, and, uh, and just taking shots rather than passing up shots. I think they find it quicker. Um, I think that's going to help us with a player like J.R. Smith, who uh, is a veteran with tons of experience, but I think he's a guy that's going to come in and shoot. He's not going to hesitate. He's not going to think about it, and that's the kind of shooter you need in these type of situations and uh, he could be a help for us, but I think players are going to have to take that mentality uh, going into the playoffs where the ones that are hesitant are going to struggle and the players that are aggressive, I think will find rhythm quicker. Mm -hmm. You anticipate a, a few ugly string of games between, I mean, damn near every team once, once this gets underway. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be a lot of ugly ball. Uh -huh. um, and Again, you know, the more veteran teams can fall into some simple actions that will keep them from getting too complex. There'll be some, be some air balls. There'll be some turnovers. But, um, you know, that's going to be, you know, par for the course and, and expected. I mean, you're not looking at teams that have been playing an 82-game season. Now they're, now they're primed and ready. We've, we've taken three months off from being together, and now we're trying to jam it in as, as best we can. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll – we'll take on that, that approach where it's a simple, simple actions, trusting our talent and our ability to play together. And then hopefully some guys will knock down some shots. Do you think it'll be less shots? Be more of like pick and rolls, pick and roll the basket. Um, just some simple fundamental basketball. 
Yeah, I mean, I, that's what the NBA playoffs turn out to be anyway, right? I mean, most fourth yeah. quarters are are ninety percent pick and rolls, um, unless you're you know the Warriors who, who do a lot more chase action, which is just throw to pass and then they go chase it and get it, more of a handoff type action. Um, they don't do a lot of pick and roll, but other teams in the league, if you look at you know ball dominant players in the league, they're going to go to a pick and roll or an ISO. And that's that's really the best way to get a shot if you haven't had time to play together. I mean, I'll, I'll take a LeBron step back or a Kawhi ISO or a Giannis ISO or an AD ISO. I mean, you know, it's delivered ISO. Like those guys, I'll take that shot over passing the ball 16 times and throwing it to somebody who's not going to make it. So I think that's where the playoffs go um, in that direction anyway. And I think that's going to help curb some of that uh, stagnant play. And hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll find a rhythm doing that. You mentioned uh, J.R. Smith just announced today that he was officially signed with the team. I mean, what did you guys mm-hmm. like about him, and what do you anticipate his role being? Obviously, he's not the defender that Avery Bradley is. I don't think many people are, but what do you anticipate J.R.'s role being? Well, first, let, let me say Avery Bradley's a phenomenal player, and, and we're going to miss his tenacity and professionalism. Uh, what a great person he is, and, and we totally support his decision to do what he's going to do. I mean, mm-hmm. this again, this is – no recourse on this. We don't feel ill towards him in any way. We just understand that this is, you know, everybody's kind of on their own to make these decisions. And so we're going to miss him. You know, uh, JR brings the opposite side, you know, where he brings a player who can really get hot, really stretches the floor. He's a big guy. He can switch on to bigger guys, even if there's a, you know, temporary late, you know, potential late clock situation where he's got to switch on to a big and box him out. Uh, the game's gone smaller too, so you know his his size I think helps that. Where Avery's size may have been a detriment in switching on to bigs, you know. Um, so that that may give us some flexibility in that regard. And but you know, uh, there's no. I think it's pretty obvious Avery Bradley's a phenomenal defender, and mm-hmm. uh, I think Jr. brings his ability to get hot. And for us, you know that that could change the way that you know teams see us in that regard. I mean, we we may become more offensively potent I hope so um but you know I his role is you know undetermined at this point you know I think he's in a position where he's got to come in and earn it and that's that's the way the NBA is you know if you're good and you're playing well you're going to play we're not going to keep you off the court if you're playing well so um hopefully he'll find that that rhythm and and be able to make the best situation for himself are you uh looking forward to potentially facing your old team in the first round I think that's what everybody wants I want to see that New Orleans, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I I love the people in New Orleans and their coaching staff. Those are all great friends of mine. Drew Holiday is one of my closest friends in life. Um, so uh, I've spent you know thousands of hours in the gym with Drew over the last six years. So uh, you know, I'd love to see him just because I love those guys. Um, you know, I I don't see it from a basketball standpoint. I don't think we really care who we play. To be honest, I mean, I think we're focused on what we're going to be fo- so focused on what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the, you know, for the average fan, if I were trying to think of it from a fan's perspective, I think obviously seeing Zion play and, and LeBron go heads up would be pretty, pretty awesome. Um, but, you know, John Morant's not bad either. So he's, he's pretty special True. in his own right. Those are two great players that bring, you know, different aspects of the game. Uh, you know, to their strengths. And so, you know, both, both series could be really good, but, you know, New Orleans has got their their hands full and trying to trying to finish the season, and making the playoffs. So they're gonna they're gonna have to really hit the ground running. 
Mike, what's it been like to, to coach a, a, a LeBron James team? Well, LeBron's a phenomenal leader, incredible uh, basketball IQ. Well, I mean, tons of experience. Uh, he's a listener. I mean, I, you know, he sits right in front of me all the time out. So I, I, and he wants me to tell him everything I'm thinking when he sits down. So mm -hmm. it's my job to just fill his ear with offensive suggestions, sets, players to go at, things that have worked previously, which is kind of my job. Hey, Jason Kidd sits in front of me as our offensive guy. And so I, I'm firing plays and ideas and thoughts to him, and he's, he's, he's transferring those on to Frank. So, um, you know, our back row is really full of ideas with myself, Miles Simon, you know, Quinn Crawford and, and Greg St. Jean. I mean, we're just firing ideas at that front of the bench. And so we've created a great chemistry on the bench. LeBron comes and sits there, and he takes it on as well, defensive matchups, issues in our coverages, you know, all that stuff. So he's the point man on our team. He's our leader. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's it's amazing to coach a guy like that. I mean, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. You could make the argument if you wanted to. Um, but uh, you know, I've learned a lot being around LeBron. I mean, he's a he's a team guy. He's he loves people. Um, you know, he's he's just a, a very fun person to be around. He's got great energy. He's positive. Um, when he needs to get on somebody, he will. But he's very careful how he does that. Um, mm -hmm. But he holds himself to a high standard, and I think in the playoffs you'll see him do that again. Before we move on, I wanted to remind you guys about Bet Online. Right now, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Are you looking for something more than sports? Well, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets you can check out. Just visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for your free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline is your online wagering experts. Well, since you, you're coaching LeBron currently, I mean, you, you were also on a pretty interesting team back in the day with Kobe and Shaq. What was that like if you could compare the two teams or, or just your experience in general with those two guys? Yeah, different eras, I would say. You know, eras about to sure. change. And, yeah. and uh, that era, you know, was, was a lot more uh, – I think it was more uh, – it was a different kind of skill. It was more physical game. You know, the playoffs, they basically let you just hammer each other. Shaq got fouled on every possession. And, of mm. course, you can't call every foul. So, he would play through that and score 40 and get 20 rebounds. I mean, he was – Shaq was the most dominant, you know, basketball player I've ever seen. Uh, he When he wanted to, he could just get 40 and 20 and, and will us to a win, which he did so many times. But, um, you know, Kobe was a different animal too, a super aggressive, super talented, hungry, you know. Uh, you know, he just – he was he was a shark. He was a great white shark out there, you know. And, and you know that's a good analogy like, i've never heard anybody role. say that <laughs> yeah i mean he's a shark he's always hunting you know and the rest of us are just dolphins you know playing in the water so <laughs> you know we're we're uh, we're talented in our own right but we're not great white sharks and so you know shack was like i guess you could keep the analogy going he was a killer whale but when he wanted to he just he dominated and kobe was so talented and, and aggressive that 
we had somebody you have to have somebody like that on your team and um so we're kind of our team this year you know lebron is 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 our shack i mean when he wants to dominate he can get to the front of the rim and there's really nobody who can stop him and then we hope to have a guy like ad just be aggressive the whole game and when he's aggressive you know he's he's similar to Kobe in that he's un, unguardable. When he needs to, mm-hmm. he makes and takes and makes tough shots. He gets to the free throw line a lot. He makes he makes free throws at a high percentage. Um, he puts pressure on the defense constantly. When you have two superstars putting pressure on the defense, I've seen it up close with Shaq and Kobe. You have a great chance to win a championship. That reminds me, uh, the first time I ever saw AD go off, I can't remember who you guys were playing, um, but I really didn't know who Davis was just yet. I mean, I knew he was a great player, but I didn't know how good he was. And he dropped right. 40 and 20 like like nothing. Like it just didn't even matter. I don't even think LeBron played in the fourth. And, and he dropped 40 and 20. I was, I was just amazed by it. The guy can literally do anything out there. Yeah, 80s, I mean, incredibly skilled um, in all facets of the game. And that's something that he and I have worked on pretty hard this, this last, uh, you know, 14 months we've been together. And um, so um, he's really extended a, a lot of his game. I think that's what separates him in the league in terms of bigs, his ability to do just about anything. He can handle, he can get to the rim, he can stretch with the three, and he draws fouls. So he puts the team in the bonus. He gets their main players in foul trouble. He changes the bench's substitution patterns. He creates offense for us without the top clock going off. He creates offense for himself at the rim, finding his own rhythm because of free throw. So winning the game at the free throw line is, is a big deal to me, and I'm pushing that constantly with AD. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he's one of the guys I work with specifically uh, every day. So he's done a great job of that. But you haven't – we haven't seen AD yet. We haven't seen him uh, really take on uh, his – you know, who he really is yet. I mean, he hasn't really come into his own. And so now he's got the chance to do that. And um, hopefully he'll have uh, the opportunity to, to do that type of thing uh, in the playoffs this year where we can really extend um, his, uh, his, uh, his full skill set and we can really take off. But we've had to hold him back because we didn't want him to run out of gas. Right. We got, we, we, he got going early in the season and we were like, listen, you can't play at this level all year long. <laughs> we could take you 30 and 15, but stay away from the 50s and 20s. We, we can save those till the end of the season. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. When you, I mean, having those conversations are real. That's, that's what happens at the NBA level. Those guys are that talented. So, um, you know, you're right. Maybe he can get 40 and 20 and, and he doesn't even sweat. I want to go back just a bit to, to the Kobe and Shaq dynamic because, like you said, Kobe was a shark, but Shaq had this, you know, obviously comedic feel about him. He, he liked to enjoy himself and enjoy with teammates. What was that relationship like behind the scenes with, like you said, a great white shark like, like Kobe and then someone who liked to have fun like Shaq? Well, they didn't talk much. I mean, I think that's, that's been well documented and it was, it's true. I mean, they didn't really have much of a, of a relationship. I mean, they, I think they started to build one later in life. And that's good because that's part of, you know, when, when look, I mean, not, none of us are really that close when you're on a team playing because you're, you're in a competitive mindset. I think today's generation is different. I think mm-hmm. they enjoy each other. They know each other. They play AAU ball. You're all, you know, grown up from 14. So there's a relationship that's different. But when we get in the court and practice, we're going at each other and fighting and scratching and clawing and, and that at that era, it was a, you know, we got in fights all the time in practice, and it wasn't uncommon at all to have a squabble and a push and a grab and a throw and push somebody. And that was normal. But today's player doesn't do that. They don't have that 
because they know each other and they just kind of they've groomed, been groomed to play basketball and get competitive in a different way. Um, right. So that's I think that Shaq and Kobe behind the scenes, you know, they were they they didn't talk much, um, but we didn't need them to. We needed them to be dogs on the court, and that's what they were. I question for you: that Shaq and Kobe team versus this year's Lakers, who wins? Well, here's the problem: nobody's guarding Shaq. <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, Shaq literally can just like I mean, it's hard. Like and people don't realize when you're 370 pounds and you're, I mean, he was in shape too. And mm-hmm. I mean, when he wanted to, he can just dominate anybody. And that's not a slide on anybody on our team. You know, LeBron would have been difficult. You know, for us to guard, AD would have been a handful. You know, although we did face Chris Webbers and we did face Tim Duncan's and we did face you know. Rasheed Wallace's uh, right. in our time, but Anthony Davis is a different. I think he's a different animal than those guys. And Horace Grant was a great defender for us on that team. But you, you got you always say like if you're going to throw the ball to somebody in the fourth quarter, you're going to throw it to to, to Shaq, and he's going to get to the front of the rim. Now the key on our team was Derek Fisher and Robert Ory. Those guys made threes. So mm-hmm. if Derek Fisher and Robert Ory are making threes, I don't think I don't think we're losing to anybody. Well, you ever. weren't too bad either. So, I made some. I threw some at your moments. A while, but <laughs> I had my moments. Yes, it's true. But those guys made them in the playoffs, and that's what you need. You need to roll guys to make shots. So I'm biased because it was my team. I don't think we'll lose anybody ever in history. <laughs> but that's uh, that's just because I love my team and I and I believe in, in those guys. You were a you were a fan favorite back then because um, I'm from Santa Clarita. So you oh, cool. Masters College, right? That's right, Masters College. Yep. And then your son just graduated from Hart? I graduated yeah. from Hart. Yeah. Oh, I got two more at Hart, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool, man. That's are, they, are they playing ball, too, or no? Yeah, they play ball. Yeah, my son's probably going to end up at Boise State next year. He's, I mean, obviously, with this whole COVID thing, it's kind of messed everything up. Uh-huh. Uh, my other son is being recruited by about 50 schools. He's a sophomore. He's about 6'6", six, six point guard. He's, he's, he's got a chance to be special. Um, and then my daughter's. One of the best shortstops in the country for softball. So, oh wow! Uh, yeah, so they got so they got that uh, shooting stroke too, or what? Yeah, they both they both can shoot it. I mean, I couldn't shoot it that good in high school. I became a great shooter in college uh, when I got away from home and just literally had nothing to do at Masters other than shoot baskets. So I did that for four <laughs> years. Uh, my boys have put a lot more time into their shooting, so they're better shooters than I was uh, at the same age. But um, yeah, they're. They're uh, they're good kids, man, they, and they work really hard. So they'll they'll do well uh, for sure. We'll see what happens. How do those uh, shooting competitions go? Do you win some? They win some, or is it mainly mainly uh, they win some right now? Well, at this point, I always tell them I'm ten thousand. I'm ten million reps ahead of you, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna lose. So if you can catch up in your reps, you know, at this point, I'm I'm still gonna make ninety out of a hundred threes. So um, they're 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 not quite to that yet. NBA threes. Um, they're they're probably in the in the low 80s uh, right now, so that's pretty okay. good. Okay. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, but they got to get to, you know, I would make a hundred a day before I leave back in the day when I was playing. <laughs> so, you know, those those are real shooters. You know, those are your Steve Kerr's and your Kyle Corvers and your great shooters. That's what they're doing. You know, they're they're knocking down 95 out of 100. So yeah, they're low 80s. They're getting there though. They're getting there. Does it kind of annoy you a little bit that your game probably would have flourished today? Um, yeah, well, not annoy. I mean, I, I would love to get out there and play, you know. Um, ah. 
so yeah i mean um yeah, I came at the wrong era. Um, I was actually more like Steve Kerr than I, I mean, I was, I was more like Steve Nash than I was Steve Kerr. So when I went to Europe, I played point guard, pick and roll the entire game. My role in the Lakers, the job was Steve Kerr. Like you're gonna catch and shoot, and that's it. If you dribble mm-hmm. and go in the paint, we're gonna take you out. So <laughs> I kind of had to, I kind of had to limit myself personally. But when I went to Europe, I got back to playing more point guard, pick and roll stuff. So I would have loved today's era. Um, because, you know, I played more, a lot more like Steph in college. Um, I was running around everywhere just shooting threes, and I was making five threes a game in college. So uh, running around, chasing the ball, shooting threes, that, that's more what my personality was, and that's what I did in Europe. But uh, to, to play in today's game would have been, <laughs> would have been awesome. <laughs> I mean, I could shoot ten threes and nobody would complain. Yeah, and, and then they'd encourage a, a it. They'd encourage you to do that. Yeah. And the money's yeah, not too bad. And the money's not yeah, too bad. Yeah, the money's – oh, look, you're paid to be a shooter. You know, yeah. a, paid, be, a paid shooter back then, there wasn't – that role didn't exist. You know, I mean, it was – you weren't being paid as a shooter. You were just a shooter on the team. So, uh, but, yeah, it would be great to be able to chuck up 10 threes and not make any and nobody would care. <laughs> hey, so, what's your, your, your funniest Shaq memory that you can tell? I mean, I've heard he walked around Jeez. naked quite often, but uh, yeah, what's um, your funniest memory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's I got so many that I wish I could tell, but uh, Shaq, I mean, Shaq was one day in practice. He, I sat next to Shaq. Our lockers were together, which basically meant I didn't have a locker because his stuff went all over mine. So, <laughs> you poor guy. Uh, oh, yeah, God. I mean, his clothes and shoes were all over the place, and I mean, I didn't have much room. But he and I were really close, obviously. So. Yeah, I sat down one day next to him and I was like, yo, let's switch our uniforms. And he was like, good idea. So he put on my little XL and I put on his 7XL stuff. And um, we went on the court together and that sucker was so funny. Um, I mean, I, the, I, the fact that he was down to do that type of stuff, that, that, was, a, that was a normal day for Shaq. So he, he went out to warm up and in my little XL practice outfit, and he ended up tearing the shorts, obviously, because he went and he tried <laughs> oh, to on purpose. Oh, jersey and shorts. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Man. He was stretching and he was squatting, <laughs> and you know, oh yeah, and then also rip. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks a lot. Oh, no, so <laughs> brutal. Oh, totally. But any Kobe Bryant memory that you can share that you, you know, that you uh, remember? I guess a, a memory that you're fond of. Well, I mean, um, Kobe was, I mean, super competitive every day in practice. I had to guard him a lot. You know, he one day in practice, he was like, Devin George, I'm tired of beating up on you. I've been beating up on you for two years. Mike, come on over here. So, so I was ended up having to guard Kobe on a daily basis. And so we had some great battles, and I, and I had a blast guarding him. He, he liked the fact that I didn't back down from him and that I was skilled, so he had to guard me uh, on the perimeter. So it made him, you know, be a little more attentive. But we had a great time playing against each other. Um, I mean, he was he was positive when he needed to be. He was hard on you when he needed to be as well. But look, at Kobe Bryant, if you stood up to him, then he you you were his guy. If you backed down on him, he could he would he would take advantage of you. So I never backed down for him. So we had no we had we he and I got along great for that reason. But I was just going to mention because we had Phil Handy on. Uh, we also had Quran, and they both said that you know the, the key and Adam Morrison too said the key was to, to earn his earn his respect was just to keep going at him and not to sort of back down. Was that, was that sort of the same, uh, you know, what you saw that you just, to earn his respect, you had to keep going at him? 
Yeah, you just couldn't back down ever, no matter what. If he was yelling at you, you had to stand up to him. If he faced you in practice and he wanted to fight you, you stood to fight, fight him. If you had to, you know, go one-on-one and guard him, then you had to guard him and foul him. If you, uh, you know, if you wanted to make shots and talk trash to him, he loved that. So you had to fight. You had to stand up to him and fight with him. Otherwise, he, he knew he thought you were weak at that point. And so we didn't have a team like that. You know, uh, we didn't have a lot of guys that were weak. We had a lot more vets as well. But, you know, it started the first couple of weeks of practice. He, he would test everybody. And if you didn't stand up to him, then he was going to take advantage of you all year. Mike, I'm going to wrap it up with this one. Uh, what has to happen for you guys to succeed and win the championship this year? Well, what has to go right for you guys in Orlando? Stay healthy, get stops, make shots. And that's it. I mean, Suppose if we stay that. healthy, we get stops, and we make shots, then you know, we're going we're gonna to have a real good chance to win. Awesome. Uh, well, Mike, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Anything you want to plug before we let you go? No, man, I don't have anything like that. I'm good. Just everybody be safe. I'll plug that. Awesome. Good message. Uh, as usual, guys, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you can follow Ryan at Ryan Ward LA on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, you can follow me at Tomer Zarly. That's T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y on Twitter and Instagram. Mike, where can fans follow you if you want fans to follow you? <laughs> uh, I'm on uh, Instagram, Mike Pember 3. Uh, it's a 3 at the end, Mike Pember 3. Uh, okay on Instagram but either way um, I'll reach out you know I, I, I love talking with the fans so if they ever want to reach out that's oh, cool cool awesome thank you um, as usual guys wherever you get you, your podcast whether it's Google uh, Apple Spotify where they were everywhere please leave us a five star review if you have any comments questions or concerns just shoot them to us as well on social media or there as well uh, we're open to them um, yeah we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and Mike thank you again for joining us we really appreciate it thanks for having me guys it was a great time hopefully we'll do it again Thanks, Mike. Good luck. Good luck this year. Thanks, guys. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.